At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. India's very own travel podcast where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you our listeners. Hey guys, welcome to a special series of the Musafir stories. Well, we hope it is a series where we explore our own backyard Bengaluru. In this episode, we are walking down a bustling area known as the Pete area. The beginnings of Bangalore pretty much start here in this area when Kempegowda in the 16th century established the Bengaluru city. Kempegowda is the founder of Bangalore. He was a feudatory ruler of the Vijayanagara Empire. Helping us explore this historically significant Pete area is our guest Sujata Balakrishnan. Sujata is a teacher by profession. She is a historian and actor and an artist by passion as well. Sujata is a walk leader with a very well-known heritage walk community here in Bangalore and that is how we met her. We recently did a heritage walk with her and we learned not only about the history of our own city but we also learned so much about the rich secular values that it had in its roots and we felt it was so important to share it with you guys. So that's with today's episode. So the walk and this episode is called the Darga to the Dharmaraya. For the reference of you guys, a Darga is a shrine of a Sufi saint and a Dharmaraya is a very famous temple here in Bangalore. It happens to be one of the oldest temple here in Bangalore and is a temple of one of its kind because it's dedicated to the Pandavas. So on to Sujata, hearing more about the Darga to the Dharmaraya walk. Let's hear more. This Darga actually, if you go to see, it actually goes back to 1761. Actually, it was built by Hyder Ali. So now we talk about Hyder Ali, who was the Sultan and the de facto ruler of the Kingdom of Mysore from 1761 to 1782. A lot of you guys would also know him because he was the father of the famous Southern Indian ruler, Tipu Sultan. Sujata so talks more about this Darga that was built during the time of Hyder Ali. I mean, there are a lot of legends, a lot of stories, different mm-hmm. versions you have. It's a couple of them I would like to share with you. One is it is believed that um, Hyder Ali was actually reconstructing the mud fort built by Kempegowda. Sure. Okay. So that time he had a lot of construction people, laborers who came in. And there were three masons who mm-hmm. actually did the job for him, helped him in the construction. Morning till evening, they used to work as laborers. But the evening when he used to just see, because he had to pay the wages for, I mean, the labor sure. wages had to be paid. They used to be absconding or they used to be missing. <laughs> so he noticed this for a couple of days. Then he felt a little guilty. And so he sent his men and he said, please follow these men. Mm. And I need to know who these men are. Okay. 
So these people went and then when they reached the place where these people used to sleep in the night, they could only see one body which was cut into three parts mm. and two dogs which were guarding mm. the body. So he was taken aback and he said, this is definitely not human. There is no. something, it's much more. It must be something divine. Then only he realized that they were Sufi saints. Mm. So the, the Dargah which we have started is, is the Tawakal Mastan Baba. Mm-hmm. Actually, there were three. Okay. Manik Baba and then the other one was Hastra Tawakal and then Tipu. Okay, so these are the three... The three places? Sufi saints actually, Sufi saints. Yeah. who actually came from Persia. Okay. Yeah, okay. that is the story. Okay. Says they were, and one says they were actually, Tawakal Masan Baba was actually a Persian horse trader and then he came to India and later on became very spiritual and he got things. But the most, I think, uh, uh, reliable or I wouldn't say reliable, the most heard story is about uh, the masons as they came as masons and then, you know, then uh, did not take the wages, then... Uh, Tip, I mean, Haider asked him, and in fact, Tipu Sultan was named actually named one of the Sufi saints, yeah. actually. So he asked him, like, uh, what I would like to do, I would, I would like to repay because you've done so much. Then he said, okay, just build this dargah for me. Mm. So that is how the dargah was okay. built. And then when I visited the dargah for doing some homework for the walk, mm-hmm. I saw that there was actually, I mean, as I told you, it goes across social religious borders. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are everybody, there are Hindus, sure. there are Christians, there are Sikhs. Oh, a lot of people and when I went I saw the Kadim, Edarga, the priest, the so-called, that's what he's called as Kadim. So I saw him actually, you know, talking to a Hindu mother of about 40 years who was saying that her daughter Lakshmi mm. was actually unwell and she had a stomach pain. Then immediately he gave her the sacred ash and then he tied something there mm-hmm. for the thing. So the kind of faith, the kind yeah. of belief, yeah. that is what really moved me and touched me. Yeah. And also it's also called as a lock and key Darga because they believe that, you know, in the... Uh, premises of the Dargah itself, you will see that there's a beautiful huge lamp. Mm-hmm. Lamp actually is the Hindu yeah. kind of this thing. On top you see the moon, the half moon. Sure. So that shows the culmination or the amalgamation of religions. Yeah, that looks something very yeah. interesting, right? That's yeah. really interesting. So the lock and key story is that people just come and then they come with the lock and key and then they just lock the thing with mm-hmm. the key and then take the key. That means all the problems, all the troubles, mm-hmm. they're leaving it at the feet of Allah or Sure. I mean, so whatever is the yard that there, Sufi said, well, you just leave it there, the, you know that everything is going to get solved. Right. And as I told you, every darga is secular. But then this goes beyond that because it has a connection with the Dharmaraya temple. Okay. The Dharmaraya temple actually is one of, the, it's actually the one, I would say this is the only temple built for uh, Yudhishthira in the Mahabharata. Okay. The yeah, the Pandavas. Mm. Okay, so Yudhishthira actually it was built. Mm. Generally, you usually see only you know like Ganesha temples, Hanuman temples. These are, sure. I mean, the commonly known temples, like right. you see. But this is something very very different. Mm. So his wife Draupadi. Mm-hmm. So it is. If you if you want little bit about the Karga story, then I can tell and then I can connect it with the Darga. Well, so the Tawakkal Mastan Darga basically celebrates three important festivals each year. And one of the festival that it celebrates is the Karga festival. Interestingly, the Karga festival is predominantly celebrated by a Hindu community here in Bangalore called as the Tigalas. The Tigalas celebrate this Karga festival to pay homage to the mother Draupadi. We will hear Sujata talk more about the deep connection that the Darga and this Karga festival has. As we continue our Pete walk, we reach the Dodda Pete and the Chikapet area. Sujata tells us about how these different 
sections of the pethe got its name based on the commodities that were sold there and also based on the occupation of the residents who lived there keep your eyes open or rather keep your ears open as you are going to hear a very surprising connection of a very famous maratha king with the bangalore so next one would be i would be from the darga as you move on to mm. and that's actually a long stretch which is known as the chikpete mm. so you have the dorpete which is the current avenue road okay okay dorpete means big market mm-hmm. and chikpete in kannada it means small, small this road. thing so these are all the crossroads okay okay the main streets from north to south mm-hmm. and east to west are the smaller streets uh, almost system. like a grid system like new york they sure. call avenues and streets right mm-hmm. okay so as we get out of the thing the first thing which you come is the balepet okay balepet which as i told you kempakota wanted a diverse community of traders in us uh neighborhood mm. he wanted a lot of tanks he wanted a lot of temples mm. something very nice and vibrant mm-hmm. that was his vision actually okay. but it did happen at a later point of time that is the 1700s more than 250 years ago mm-hmm. like you see that lot of traders from all over across mm-hmm. they came over and they were actually uh what i would say is uh, suppose they say the, so the commodity that they sold for example if they sold selling bale in kannada bale means bangles bangles so then it is bale pete mm-hmm. then ganiga there is also one ganiga pete that okay. is means oil presses okay so that kind of you know each commodity mm. the street was named after the commodity that they sold okay okay so that was a very interesting factor but of course in, in today i mean i think in the walk you must have seen the balepet i don't think there was a single balepet <laughs> shop now it's all mixed use you have different things but except for the tarakpet which is next to the kr market you know okay. tarakpet actually tarak uh, this thing means vegetable market vegetable. that still okay. continues and you have a lot of vegetables sure. in that market that's the only thing i think which i really has retained the this thing yeah. okay, the flavor or the yeah. this thing of whatever was exactly. uh, started in those yeah. days yeah and i think um, it's a good back story also that uh, these places were actually famous because of the commodity because uh, as you said if you look at it today nobody would uh, give a thought back as to why it was named that way right mm. uh, but the fact of the matter is that it was named because of whatever yeah, the was commodity the commodity that's being so created, it is yeah it does there. not really stop only with the uh commodity because as you move ahead you know uh, the next point would be actually the vijayalakshmi theater i don't know whether you heard of the very old vijayalakshmi theater where only english films i still remember okay. <laughs> you know there only english films were screened and in my school days because i've been in this city for almost um, half a century almost uh-huh. 50 years so i used to go for um, english films the vijayalakshmi i mean mm-hmm. it was it was known vijayalakshmi means english uh, screen movies you know but uh, later i mean childhood days you know our, our priorities and our uh, this thing is completely different i mean no who even thinks of history <laughs> right when i was about 10 or 12 i mean you are more fun loving you want to play you want to watch movies you want to eat good food and you yeah. want to travel right yeah. so we used to go but then later on when i became a history teacher and when i started digging excavating the past then i realized that i mean it had a very interesting story the vijayalakshmi theater and the mohan building mm. just about 200 meters away from vijayalakshmi theater okay So I mean, uh, you I, I don't think you could even have made a wild guess. Like Shivaji actually lived in the one of the it's called as some uh, palace there. You know, there was a palace actually there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, for uh, the reference of our listeners. This is Shivaji Maharaj, the yeah, great Maratha. Yeah, Shivaji. Yeah, actually, he was supposed. I mean, his father, Chaji Bonsle, lived with the second wife here. So this palace of Shahji that Sujata is talking about is believed to have extended all the way from where the Vijayalakshmi Theater now stands in the Pethe area 
to the Mohan building, which is almost half a kilometer ahead. If any of you guys are getting that tiny question in the back of your head about how did Shaji Bhosle land in Bangalore, to answer that, Shaji was a general in the Bijapur Sultanate. So when Adil Shah, who is the king of the Bijapur Sultanate, conquered Bangalore after the Kepagaudas, he made Shaji the Jagardar of Bangalore. So that's how Shaji came about having a palace in Bangalore. So Shaji Bonsley has got a lot of connections in Bangalore. Right. So he's supposed to have lived there. The palace was actually there. Mm-hmm. At the theatre. Yeah, the the okay. I mean, again, this is, uh, we do not have historical records, but the assumptions and presumptions that it could have been the the Mahal there, the palace there, and the Mohan building, which of course that's also got a very rich history. In 1909, it was actually Haji Ismail Said, a businessman from Bombay. Okay. Actually, he brought it was his private bungalow. Mm-hmm. Even the Chikpeta police station, then the very famous Anand Bhavan, they were all actually housed there oh. in the Mohan building. And now today, if you see it, it's completely dilapidated, and God knows when the all awaiting the bulldozers, mm-hmm. right, right. Lakshmi Theatre or the Mohan building. Mohan building. Then in the year, I think it was in 1945, right, that uh, Mohan, uh, one of the, I think it was, he was one of the sons of the Rex Theatre you have on Brigade Road, right, right. actually the Kapoor's from Bombay. So they named it after their son. Oh, that, is why known, that is why it is known as the Mohan, Mohan building, the year 1945, yeah. right, yeah. Oh, they bought it from uh, Ismail Said, actually. So that is the story of Vijayalakshmi uh, Theatre and this thing and little bit as, and as I told you Pete has got very rich cultural history which we cannot do it over one uh, interview <laughs> on the podcast because there's so much because you know in the east north south I mean there's so much of stories it's so rich but it's so unfortunate that you know like uh, many of us don't even know about it I mean, it's very unfortunate but um, yeah now having made that point uh, that stop at Mohan building right um, are we like halfway through the journey at this yeah. point? Or so uh, maybe we, could, we have covered almost, I would say, 50%. So that's actually the midpoint. So after the Mohan building actually is the Dottapete Square. Okay. Dottapete Square where uh, this is, it is believed that Kempagoda actually uh, let loose his uh, bullock cards in all the cardinal directions to basically, you know, uh, uh, to, what do you say, to freeze the boundary of Bangalore. <laughs> But now it was Bangalore has outgrown, so you know, yeah. outgrown, I mean outgrown actually I would say is a very mild term that I'm using. <laughs> Overgrown, outgrown, I mean, yeah. anything you could use. So and um, he was a um, huge ardent uh, Hanuman Bhakt. Mm-hmm. So even when you start at the entrance of uh, Pete, there's the Mysore Bank Circle and then right. you have the Elanka Gate, Anjaniya Temple. Right. That is actually yeah. one of the gates, that is the point, you know. So down as you come, the midpoint is the Dodapete Square where he let loose a thing and all these things, Bulakats went and stopped at certain direction, north, south, east and west. And it is believed that the distance also, it was equidistance, wherever it stopped. And they say that it is because he was such an ardent devotee, it was a divine grace that it was this thing. But of course, it's all overgrown and Bangalore is <laughs> gone somewhere. Now actually from, they say, you know, from a garden city, it's, yeah. become, it's become a garbage city. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so that po- that is the very important location there. Then as you again just move, mm-hmm. we are walking. So we started in the north, we are going towards the south. So after that, we come to Nagarthpet. So now we are moving southwards from the Dottapete area. Well, Sujata shares with us different stories about how the names of these different localities of the Pethe area came into being. Starting off with Nagrat Pet, which 
used to be the hub of silk production in Bangalore. Nagarthapet, as I already told you, like you know, the it's a one the Bangalore Pet actually is a very wonderful or a beautiful example, or we could say it's got a beautiful history of how, as I said, the um, occupation and caste, mm-hmm. how this influenced the individual identity. We spoke of the different commodities in the sure. petes. As mm-hmm. I told you, like so we spoke about Ganiga Pete, then we spoke of Bali Pete, Taraga Pete, and a lot of there also Kumbar Pete, there's pottery, pottery okay. this thing, you know, and also the silk, uh, the silk also, yeah, silk is Nagarth Pete actually. Oh, okay. So Nagarth Pete actually, Nagar, when you say in actually, in Hindi also, I think Nagar means town, town right? right? Yeah, in yeah. Tamil also actually, Nagaram means actually town. town. It is believed that these people came from Kanjivaram, mm-hmm. you know, these people, and then, you know, Nagartha, that means the town man or head man. That is what it is called. That is how it got the name Nagarthpet. And they were all actually uh, supposed to be merchants like bullion, then you know, silk, then you know, medicinal uh, drugs, all this, the multi kind of uh, this thing business they used to do actually. But then when you talk about the economic uh, structure or the economic hierarchy mm-hmm. of the Pete, mm-hmm. silk weaving, that is also actually it goes back to Timo Sultan. Mm-hmm. Silk talk about silk, you know, how many of us know the Chanapatna toys, wooden mm-hmm. toys? Actually goes back to Tipu Sultan. Chanpatana, which is a town in Karnataka. A lot of you guys would have seen or come across this town when you would be traveling from Bangalore to Mysore. This town is very famous for the wooden toys that it makes. The origins of this toys is traced back to the reign of Tipu Sultan. He invited a number of artisans all the way from Persia to teach the local craftsmen about this craft of toy making. How many of us knew that? Yeah, because he, as I told you, he was a visionary. So anything new he saw, he wanted it for his own state, for the Mysore kingdom. Mm-hmm. He wanted. And that is where the uh, history of uh, sericulture, mm-hmm. sericulture, silk uh, rare, yes. silk rare, I mean, uh, worm, silk worm rare, you yeah. say, like, and he had about 19 workshops. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because he had a Chinese uh, visitor who came to his uh, kingdom and then he presented him with a scarf, I guess, you know, silk scarf. Mm-hmm. Immediately he deputed to China, Bengal, they all came with mulberry plants. Mm-hmm. And that's how the story of silk goes. Mm-hmm. So the economic uh, hierarchy of the structures, the first is the Banajigas, mm-hmm. who were silk uh, traders. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was the Devanga. Okay. Devanga actually were uh, very soft and uh, superior cotton. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you had the Togataru in the last, in the ladder. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that Togataru was coarse cotton. Okay. So these were the three main bifurcations of the cloth uh, industry, I would say, okay. in those times. Next would be actually um, the Tipu's uh, rocketry. That was such yeah. a mind-blowing, like, I mean, you know. And again, the place where now it is housed, I mean, where it was housed at that point of time, it is in some kind of dingy bylane in Nagarthpet. Yeah. And it's not even named after what it was at that point. It was known as Taramandal Pet. Taramandal. Taramandal means galaxy of stars. Oh. And Tipu, all of you know, like, I mean, I don't know whether you really know about his uh, rocket history because he was a pioneer and now they are known as Congreve rockets because after Tipu died in the fourth angle, I'm yeah. sorry, in 1799. So it is believed that some of the rockets were taken yeah. to uh, UK and then a lot of R&D research and development they this thing and then they were used in the further I mean future Anglo-American wars the Battle of Waterloo Napoleon mm-hmm. it was used in that war so they and then they named it after Congreve 
actually it should be named concrete yeah. it was tipu who founded it and what was the highlight what was so special about tipu's rockets what was so special because generally you know the it is generally encased in paper paper or bamboo or wood but then this was the first metal encased rockets used in the i would say wars in the world the first mm. metal encased used in the world so the military status of our times could you cannot even scoff at that yeah it was just fantabulous yeah i think in that regards he is a real visionary right not just the uh, wooden toys or the chinese um, silk that he picked up and all of that even in terms of rocket he's like really looking um, way way ahead of his times even back then um, and and uh, it also goes to show in some way right uh, it took like the fourth anglo maso war is when he was um killed, killed. Uh, like he, uh, his kingdom like came to an end um, given the power the power that the britishers were at that time uh, it took them like literally four wars to finish this kingdom so that also in some ways speaks volumes about um, how brave and um, how uh, structured even his armies were back yeah, then yeah really and, the uh, fort i mean where he had actually I mean, he was just amazing the military part of it i think i mean no good nobody could even touch him like i mean i mean what foresight here mm-hmm. i mean how could he even think of being and these rockets were not only it's just not that metal encased when it is metal encased you see the combustion the pressure is high and also yeah. the stuffing of the gunpowder you can do it at uh, uh, the quantity is much more and then naturally the pressure which is building up will be much more mm-hmm. so, so when it bursts it is just not that along with that he had a um, bamboo thing or a sword attached to the thing which also gives stability mm-hmm. for the rocket and when it was actually fired it used to go with such a rage and it will completely ravage yeah. the enemy mm-hmm. then you can imagine the power and the, can you make a wild guess what is the radius or the distance that it could cover 1.9 kilometers no. yeah maybe we're talking about the 18th century here yeah. right not even uh, close to yeah. the world wars that's right? what i'm saying to <laughs> this rocket i think he was a pioneer and actually abdul kalam who mm-hmm. actually went to when he went to nasa he said he saw something about tipu and this rocket no, I, thing he said at the nasa yeah and he said there was a mention about tipu so he felt very bad he says in our own country our own person who was so great we don't have anywhere any mention yeah about it <laughs> isn't it sad Yeah. It's really sad. So the next stop would be the Taramandal Pet, where we go, and that actually Taramandal is because he had actually four workshops. Mm-hmm. I think it was Chitradurga, Sri Ranga Patna, and then Bangalore actually was one. And uh, now we have seen it is actually the Sangin Mosque there now. It's actually known as Jama Masjid Street or some other street or Kaban Pet or something. It is definitely not Taramandal Pet. Taramandal. Only in that mosque thing outside you see Taramandal. There is mentioned there. That's all. Sure. Besides, there is nothing there. Even when I went to the mosque, when I spoke to those people, also they were not aware. Yeah. They said, "Kya baat kar rahe hain? Hamko kuch malum nahi hai." So that that is the saddest part, That's and right. that had so much of history. Like you need to have a monument. You need to have make it like a museum. Right. Right. right? Initially, I mean, a couple of months back, I read in the newspaper that the ASI, when they did the usual historical excavations, they found in a place around forty kilometers from Bangalore in a well. a lot of these rockets but then because of the water being seeped in mm-hmm. and then so you know completely it was rusted and it was saying maybe i i mean assumption prashamthan maybe you know the soldiers or who are saying they yeah. just put it because they didn't want anybody to take the rockets and go maybe so you know they just dumped it in the well wherever mm-hmm. they could just find place they just put it into that after the fall of sri ranga patna in the fourth anglo mysore war 
close to 600 launchers, 700 serviceable rockets, and 9,000 empty rockets were confiscated by the British. Such was the rocket arsenal of Tipu Sultan's army. A lot of this technology was taken all the way back to Britain. After a number of R&D that was done, this technology was used in their other colonial wars, including the war with Napoleon. Uh, did you know there was something one more interesting I mean, piece of history in this painting? Oh, what was it? Yeah, something to do connect with the um, revolt of 1857. Because we always think that you know after 1799 when Tipu died and British took over, that's it, finished. Right. Everything got over and the British, you know, uh, had the upper hand or something right. like that. You know, we were all very this thing, but no, it's not like that. No. There are also still a group of people who were actually conspiring and plotting to throw the British out. No. Mm-hmm. So it was planned sometime in I think in October, eighteen thirty-two. So exactly twenty-four years before the uh, revolt of eighteen fifty-seven. And all of us know the revolt of eighteen fifty-seven, Mangal Pandey, and how right. what are the reasons for uh, sure. the um, you know a revolt and all that. So this is a quite an interesting uh, thing when you talk about this. Uh, it is known as the Bangalore Mutiny. Oh, okay. It's known as the Bangalore Mutiny. So it said like, you know, people were plotting a lot of namesakes of Hyder Ali and, you know, Tipu Sahib, mm. right? Hyder Ali Khan. So there were all the namesakes mm. of these, uh, there are a lot of civilians and military people from Mysore okay. uh, who actually were conspiring and wanted to throw them out, but uh, plotted, but then it was aborted. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you yeah, had your black sheep within your own thing. Oh, Lord. So Iman Khan. Mm. So, okay. you know, the... Uh, lieutenant or whatever you call whatever designation he had so he went and leaked it out to the british british mm-hmm. and so the thing was uh, the original plan was actually in the fort mm-hmm. tipu's fort you know that there this thing the mysore gate mm-hmm. so they're all supposed to stand there and then you know get all the uh, civilians and all local people you know they get them so that they will attack the people and then they will gun them down and then you know they'll have the victory flag mm-hmm. That's what they had planned. So until the password, the 500 people were supposed to come in and the password, yeah, and the password, the code or password, what you call it, would be the, this thing, Tipu Sahib. Tipu Sahib. Tipu Sahib. But they were not aware. So the British came to know about this and immediately they had a court martial and all of them were gunned down. Some of them actually even, you know, were strapped to cannons and then it was blown. That kind of a death, these people, and usually Tipu Sahib and Tipu Sayyid Tipu, Tipu Sayyid. So his wife and children were right in front of him when he was actually gun down and he said like you know i may go so i have gone only physically mm. but i will be back and this will be aroused again and maybe i i personally feel there's a precursor to the 1857 right. mm. this is a pre- I mean, who I mean, we didn't even know about this story yeah, we didn't even know bangalore mutiny we didn't even know that was and it happened very much in the pete area mm. they were all conspired a group of people getting together and plotting at the Bangalore Fort, they were stationed mm. and they were supposed to gun all of them down and have their victory flag mm. hoisted. But unfortunately, it was aborted in here. But I think what uh, Tipu, Sayyid Tipu said, I think it is very true. Like, you know, he right. said, I have gone physically, but, I'll come back. but I will come back with an uppro and it will arouse. He said this that is, and This is happened. the namesake of Tipu uh, yeah, Sultan who yeah. led this exactly. mutiny, right? Yeah, they were all the namesakes of the original Tipu uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sultan and Haider Ali. Mm. Yeah, and then now we move on to the last um, destination or the last spot of our walk will be the uh, Dharmadaya Temple. Mm-hmm. This finally brings us to the last pit stop of the walk, to the famous Dharmaraya Temple. 
This temple is one of its kind and is believed to be one of the only temple that is dedicated to the Pandavas and to Draupadi. The temple is also the starting point of the Karaga festival which we touched upon in the beginning of this episode. Uh, the, the, the temple per se is supposed to be almost 800 years old, mm-hmm. 800 years old but there are again a lot of histories, legends talking, I mean sto- stories saying that it could be built by the Ganga dynasty a thousand years back or you know the Tigala community. Mm. The Tigala community actually is the horticulturalists, agriculturists who actually moved to Bangalore from okay. southern India. The Lal Bagh, which we always say, not so beautiful, it's so nice, yeah. but actually it was Haidarili sure. right. who started and Tipu then completed it. Summer Palace also, that way we could say. That time he actually brought the Tigala community okay. to beautify the uh, city. So the Tigala community actually had come for the beautification of the uh, Lal Bagh, that all the, where actually I told you, horticulturalists and agriculturists. A lot of lakes and things were there, right? And so this Karaga story actually goes, dates back, started in Karnataka about 400 years back, if I'm right. And then it is started by the Tigala community. Mm-hmm. So story goes like Draupadi, the wife of Pandavas. Uh, Pandavas actually. So after the in the Mahabharata, after the Kurukshetra, the war, everything is over. Mm-hmm. After their exile in the forest and all that, they're actually getting back to heaven. They were going and they're going to get on to the chariot. And uh, as usual, maybe she, like Faiza, she was lagging behind. <laughs> 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 was not able to keep up with the husbands. So, <laughs> so you know, that was the time when Timarasura, a demon, attacked her. And this demon, it is believed that every drop of blood that falls on the floor, thousand prototypes would actually be yes, born out of that. So immediately he attacked her. So immediately Draupadi was actually in the human form. So immediately she took the form of Adi Shakti. Mm-hmm. Adi Shakti is Kali, Durga, anything you can call. Right. Mm-hmm. And then immediately she, from her forehead, from her head, and you know, she brought out all the soldiers, came out from different parts of the body, and from the shoulders came the Veera Kumaras. Veera Kumaras are actually hero sons, or heroic mm-hmm. sons. Mm-hmm. Brought them, and then, you know, of course, she killed uh, the, demon. Uh, the, the demon, and she was about to go, and that is the time when the Veera Kumaras went and pleaded and told her, like, I mean, uh, that you should not go, you should stay with us. How can you go? Then immediately Krishna, Lord Krishna told the Veera Kumaras, they can you go and plead and when there's a lot of love and uh, uh, when you, there's so much of love in you and compassion and when you ask her, she will never refuse. So they went and asked her and told her you should not go. Then she said, no, no, not to worry my sons. I will come here every year for three days and be with you. So it's basically celebration, uh, welcoming. Draupadi. Draupadi. That is actually the Karaga festival. They celebrate there and these Veera Kumaras actually are, and you have the main priest who is actually dressed in a yellow sari like a woman and actually it's about a three uh, feet um, earthen pot mm-hmm. completely florally decorated. Mm-hmm. So this is supposed to be symbolic of uh, Draupadi. Basically they are holding her in carrying, the, carrying her thing without touching the hand. Karagalu means hand actually. Okay. Without touching by hand. They have to balance it and it's supposed to weigh at least 10 kilos. Oh my God. So these people actually are trained. No, I mean Tom, Dick and Harry cannot just become a priest or cannot become the uh, Veera Kumara. They are selected. They have a selection process mm. which goes. And interestingly, we visited the Garadi Mane yeah. or the wrestling gymnasium. It's not like our days, our days now today where we have the air-conditioned gymnasium and then you go do the weights and then the cardio and all that you do. No, that is actually, you know, uh, Kusti, we say. Right? Like, like, typical Kusti. Dangal, yeah, yeah, that kind of a thing, you know. 
So that was the thing which you went. But of course, unfortunately, only men, as you saw, could enter that. Yeah. Women could not <laughs> actually enter. So they were actually trained. They were trained there. The Virakumaras. Yes, the yeah. Virakumaras would be trained there so that they are able to um, overcome or bear the kind of exhaustion, that kind of mm-hmm. so much of physical uh, uh, strength is needed sure. during the Karada. They have to go, right? Yeah, so she comes and she comes in the Chitra Masam, we say, Chaitra Purnima, the first, um, uh, you know, full moon, mm-hmm. first full moon day of the Chaitra Masam. Chitra. So in the calendar, actually for us in April, okay. that is the time our New Year starts, mm-hmm. right? April 14th. Right. That's the time. So that is the day when she comes actually that's way you see and it is almost a nine day festival where they go around the city in uh, town actually and then one of the stops is the darga okay. one of the stops is darga why darga uh, is really it has a story so when the procession and the procession will be like so many people will be there like i mean it will be like i mean there'll be a stampede in fact so now today the latest they say one lakh of people yeah. into darga across again cultures caste, communities. I mean, it's a kind of, again, amalgamation of all people it's coming a, together. Okay. Really, practically enjoyment. It's that nine days actually is very festive. Sure. People just enjoy forgetting everything. Mm-hmm. Right? So it starts and when they were actually, the procession was actually um, on route. Uh, we see that uh, Tavakal Mastan actually was walking on the thing because Darga is there naturally walking. Then he was actually pushed or almost, well, he was pushed and he fell down. Mm-hmm. Then he actually cursed. Tawakal Mastan is the same Sufi saint whose Dargah we visited in the beginning of the episode. And said that what is the thing, the procession will not move now. Then immediately the priests, actually they took the yellow turmeric paste and applied him and they actually cured him. And then immediately the procession started moving and then he said like, I am so, what do you say, delighted that you people have cured me. So one of the stops will be as a mark of respect, you can come to the Dargah where the thing goes to the Dargah and then lemons are exchanged, they go three times around the Dargah. Right? Mm-hmm. All that is done, then only it goes to the other parts of the town. So that is the connection actually mm-hmm. of the Dargah and the Dharmaraya temple. There's also one more story which if I remember right, there's one more thing which is said like when he was a person who was um, uh, carrying the, the Karaga, that thing, you know, actually he, the thing fell off, that he could not bear the thing and then he died. The next one when he had it on his head, then he did not go past the Darga. Hmm. He, he just went away on a different road. It's believed that the whole thing just flew and went to the Darga. It just flew and then hit the Darga there. They've been saying that yeah. you're supposed to go en route. The Darga. The Darga, but you have not done it. So these are stories and legends which you hear about the connection between Darga and the Dharmaraya temple. Yeah. So also, it's almost like I would say it's a civic ritual, I would say, because generally when you talk about it, like I mean, when you have your own festivals, each community or each culture celebrates. Yeah. But here it's not like it is a civic ritual because the whole city yeah. is involved and is in the whole uh, in the process of the thing. So yeah, I would call it a civic ritual. Absolutely. And uh, I think that also kind of makes like a grand conclusion also, right? How this is um, even with evolving times and everything, this rich heritage and tradition has been maintained over the period. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Sujata, for uh, like taking us through this delightful walk and giving us all the backstories from each pit stop to pit stop. There were so many I mean, stories that you told and so many places that I think we've passed by so many times and we had no idea that they had so much mm-hmm. history. 
and as cyber selling we went back and we started researching and there's so much that campagora himself has built and there's so many points also i've lived there my entire life <laughs> i never knew that campagora had a tower right there yeah, which is just yeah, somewhere behind a wall none mm. of us had any idea near the near the gurudwara gurudwara exactly yeah, and Guru i have passed by yeah. gurudwara like i think every day of my life but i've never noticed it so it's quite unfortunate that we ourselves like staying in the city maybe we are born here or moved mm. from another city over here but we have no idea about the history of our own place so it's quite unfortunate but maybe i hope this does help somebody who listens and who gets interested in the history yeah. so thank you so much and you've no, been a wonderful no, guide no no it is wonderful yeah. actually it's my pleasure because i'm a storyteller as well so i get fascinated when somebody says tell me a story then i am you know <laughs> i start and i may not even stop so you know you better say that's it <laughs> and i really enjoyed it. thank you so much faiza and sai so i think much. it was a great experience as usual it was a pleasure thank you so much thank you so much That was yet another great episode of The Bassafer Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Savan, Pocket Casts, Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Bassafer Stories. or if it suits you you could email us at themosafirstories@gmail.com or visit our website at www.themosafirstories.com for more information all of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode so here's to more traveling sharing and inspiring stay tuned for our next episode until then happy travels and goodbye At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at american.edu/gradschool.